as a Christian and listening a lot of times as a pastor when he preaches, I'm reminded that how much the Lord gave for us, right? The Lord gave everything, his entire life, he gave for us. And so then sometimes it makes me really analyze and and I'm not willing to cut that kid a break. I'm not willing to give that mom a second chance and not hold something against her. Um, In the big picture, the Lord gave it all for all of us. Can we not give a little, sometimes for the things they are asking that we can say yes to? I read something the other day and it said, say yes whenever you can, because you're going to have to say no. Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Regardless of the size, location, or demographic of a school, family engagement is a vital element for successful school culture and impact. We know that biblically, children are the responsibility of the parents. And from that, we understand the critical element of teamwork with our families. Teamwork or partnership takes input and involvement from more than just one side. All that's really easy to say, but sadly, the reality of that active engagement is missing in schools. How can we encourage that? How can we engage those who really are the responsible parties when it comes to raising, training, and educating children? We're going to explore those topics and more in today's episode of the Teacher Edition podcast. But first, welcome to each of you. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. I want to take just a minute to thank those of you who have taken time to connect with us, whether in submitting a question or in taking time to leave us a rating or review. We really do appreciate that. If you haven't found us on social media, take a minute to find us on the social media platform that you use. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. I also want to invite you to visit our website. That's TeacherEditionPodcast.com. Again, that's TeacherEditionPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to receive our email updates. And by the way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, because that's the way you receive notifications when a new episode is available. If you're like me, in the business of my day, I would forget to check for new episodes. So those simple reminders are there to help. As I mentioned, today we're going to talk about engaging with our families. We are so honored to have Dr. Kathy Dotson with us as we discuss this topic. Kathy, thanks for taking time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting just to take a few minutes out just to talk a little bit about today about family engagement. That's what it's all about, especially in a day school where you are around parents every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you who may not know Kathy, she's been in full-time Christian service as a teacher and a principal for 31 years. She's currently the elementary principal at Wilmington Christian Academy in Wilmington, North Carolina. She holds a bachelor's degree in elementary education, a master's degree in educational leadership, and an EDD in instructional leadership. She has been married for 29 years to a high school math teacher. So There's a lot of education going on in that Dotson household, I am guessing. 
So I met Kathy years ago through educator conferences, and we've actually done quite a few conferences together and some really exciting ones at that. I was just thinking this morning, I distinctly remember riding out a hurricane together as some of the courageous <laughs> few who stayed to speak at that conference. Oh, and don't forget the fire drill also during one of the conferences. So we have seemed to hit on some pretty exciting conferences together. And, you know, Kathy continues to speak on a number of topics and her experience, her wisdom, and her energy for Christian education really are contagious. So, Kathy, I'm really excited for what you're going to share today. Let's start unpacking this topic of engagement. I'd like to start with a more broad tap into your many years of educational experience. When you think about your career in education, what is your impression of the desire for families to be engaged in the academic lives of their children? I think they're Ultimately, their heart wants to be engaged. So many times uh, when I taught, or I hear it a lot from my teachers now, they can really rank parents on, that one's never engaged, that one's always too much, that one's over the top, this one isn't enough, I've never seen this one, and we rank them. And so many times we think they're not as involved, they're not as good of a parent because they're not engaged like we define engagement or like we want them to be. But ultimately, anytime you end up meeting with a parent, they love their child so much and they really want to be engaged, they just don't know how a lot of times. Or it's not the same way we would. It's just a lot of times differences in personalities or schedules and backgrounds and things that are going on in their life. But ultimately, everybody wants to know what's going on with their child. That's the common denominator. That's great. So I think it's important that we realize that engagement isn't necessarily a given. It's not always automatic. We may hope or wish that it was, but the reality is that intentionality is key. So Kathy, what do you feel engaging every family would look like at a school? Overall, I think it's that every family feels loved, communicated with, heard. A lot of times as teachers and as administration, we think just because we send it out in a newsletter, just because we say it, um, we're communicating and we're engaging with them. But engagement is really two-way. It's two ways. Right. How am I coming across? Am I really listening to you? Um, a lot of times I encourage teachers that students and parents can make recommendations and even if we can't grant those wishes, we can make sure they understand their heart in that area. But ultimately, um, if parents just feel like they're part of the process. We have our certain ways and certain ways we want to do things. But ultimately, we can reach every family. It's just some are harder than others to do. Sure. You know, some, again, are over the top with it. And others, you have to go open the car door and find them in the car line. Um, I've had to go to their house before. So, so it anyway, sounds like you have experience. Yeah. <laughs> I think the more you engage them, the more as a school you benefit, but also the child ultimately does. But it makes a teacher's life so much easier the more they engage with them and understanding that the parent really wants to, even if they don't know how with that. Right. So engaging every family is optimal. It's, it's a fitting goal. But in reality, every school is going to have some parents who don't support the school or they seem disengaged. What are your suggestions for working with those parents? The ones right off the bat that engage with you the most 
I, I try speaking to them anytime I see them. Hey, Miss So-and-so, call them by name. Even if I just say one thing about their child and keep walking, they know, oh, she knows me. She knows who belongs to me. And she even told me he said something funny today or he did. I mean, it's the slightest thing, the slightest thing. And those are already, you already have won them over. They're all about you. But now that we're at this point in the school year, we need to ask ourselves, who haven't I engaged with, really had a great conversation with? As a principal, I try to call right now. The first nine weeks is over. I try to call every new family to make sure I touch base with them to see how they're doing. And sometimes it's a simple question. I'll just ask, he looks like he's doing great here at our school. He looks like he's doing great, but I don't know what he's coming home and saying. Is he thinks he's having a successful experience? Every time the parent says, I can't believe you called but maybe I haven't engaged with them like I should. They get the weekly newsletter, but I don't actually know what's going on in their life. And so begin now as a teacher just to think, who have I really not had a conversation with this year? Or why does that grandma always drop off and pick up? I don't know the, the family dynamics. You know, so a lot of times just calling and um, I know teachers can think, I don't have time to make another phone call. And a lot of times I encourage if you just call one a week and call the hard cases, those that are already over the top that are giving you stuff all the time, they already feel engaged with and loved by your school. But those that you haven't, call one this week. Just call one and see if you can't break through. And usually if you just say something kind about that child, one thing kind about that child, it melts brings down those walls and melts. And then a lot of times they'll begin to share with you, I work so much just to pay the bill because it's everything for my child to get to go to your Christian school. Then you see it melt the teacher's heart. You know, we have a different, um, just a different thought process toward that yeah. parent once we find out a lot of times the situations. But sometimes they've had a hard life and a hard family life. And um, there's walls up, you know, and I just remind our people, we're the Christians and we can never win them to our Jesus if we don't really engage and make them feel loved and just sought after. That's what I just encourage. Yeah, it's amazing how one phone call can build a bridge. They expect to only hear from you when something's wrong. What a difference it can make when you call with something great or just, you know, to talk. I even start a conversation. They'll hear my voice and they'll, you know, it's like, and I'll say, nobody's sick and nobody's bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always reassuring. <laughs> I just called to talk to you a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that goes a long and way. I, I challenge myself just to call if I call one a day, you know, or whatever, so many a week, one a week even. Um, a teacher could get through everybody in the room. Sure. Yeah. So I'm pretty confident that both of us and likely a large number of our listeners have been the recipients of care campaigns, I guess we could say, that just don't feel genuine. Um, they may be an exhausting number of words or maybe these huge gifts, but they only feel an inch deep. So what are your thoughts? Like, how do we show families that we genuinely care? A lot of times, if we really listen, elementary kids tell you everything. That's true. And sometimes middle school, high school, they do. If they feel really close to that teacher. And if we listen to the student, a lot of times they'll say things like, uh, my grandma's dying or 
this happened or my dad lost his job or if we even listen to anything at all that would give us a reason to call instead of used to everybody had to call home for something positive in the month of August. Well, the teacher, the parents knew it every year. They're trying to find that one positive thing. You know what I'm saying? To call home on. Um, if we can find something personal about that family's life, and just even if we catch them, I don't always necessarily just say phone call, catch them on the sidewalk coming in. Sometimes I'll see a parent pass my window and jump up and run out because I'd rather tell them in person something, you know. And um, if we just catch them and say, listen, your son's prayer request this morning was that somebody's mother is sick in the hospital. I don't know if it was you or your husband's or whatever, but we prayed over that this morning. It's personalized. It's personalized versus just this generic, I enjoy having a class this year. Thank you. <laughs> Call me if you ever need to. Um, you know, it's all of a sudden the child's really worried about something. And we p tell the parent, just text them, call them, whatever, and just say, by the way, Amy was so upset this morning about this. I just thought you should know. It's like, I, I mean, they just about die. They can't imagine somebody caring enough you know, to let them know, but ultimately we're partnered with the parents. Right. I right. never get over the fact that a parent will write us a check for eight or $9,000 a year and say, here, indoctrinate my child. We're doing this together. And, um, you know, you wouldn't raise a child with a spouse really not ever talk to them or a communicator where grandparents, it, it's that it takes the whole community it's engaged. And I love the grandparents. We try to know the babysitters that show up to pick them up. We've had great, you know what I'm saying, babysitters that we engaged with, sometimes even more so than the parent. But um, just loving them, personal, personal reasons, just to speak and say something to them. Right. Yeah. And I'm not hearing spend money. I'm not hearing buy them things. I'm not hearing shower them with things. I'm hearing a personal care, you know, a personal touch, and you're reaching out to them. What a difference that makes. It's not just throwing money at it. And a lot of times you can do it without any extra time. Our teachers all have to work car line. So they stand out there at that three o'clock car line and they're putting kids in the car. And I tell them it's the 32nd. He made an A. Last week, I tapped a parent's windshield and put it down, and I said, oh, my God, they don't even know it yet, but they've made the honor roll, and I can tell how hard you've worked because I knew they were. I mean, they were, like, sweating it out at home. They had learning disabilities, and the parent cried, like, right in the car line, cried that her child was on the honor roll. See, she knew before the child, but it's that 30 seconds. It's even looking them in the eye when you open the car door and saying she had a wonderful day today. She even made a good choice. You know, little comments, little ones. Then that teach that parent just can't get enough of this whoever, you know, because she really knows their child. That's their biggest fear is you don't know my child, so you're not going to give them what they need because you don't really know them. Right. Absolutely. Those customer service um, elements are so, so important. It is. And, you know, many times I um, you'll hear teachers or whoever at the school might say, this isn't a very friendly school or this isn't a very, and they always give whatever adjective it is. But if each teacher loved those parents like they should, even that heart, every teacher has that mother that just drives them nuts. You know what I'm saying? In the classroom, 
if somehow you can win that one over, if everybody does their part, then all of a sudden the, no, the school's known for being friendly, for being loving, for being receptive. But it's not something just top people can start loving people. They don't even interact with us as much. It's the 50, 60, 70 teachers you've got. How much do they really love that child and let it be known, you know? Right. So I'm hearing you talk about teachers. So I'm guessing what you're hinting at is that engagement is not just up to the administration. So let's focus on teachers for a minute. So what about our teachers? They work so hard. Maybe they're not motivated. Maybe they feel demoralized, whatever. How how are you expecting them to be part of this engagement? Like, how can they produce these results as well? A lot of times um, I encourage my teachers, don't be um, defensive. Sometimes they can drive up, pick up their child, never speak to you, but we don't know what just happened. A spouse left them. They've gotten bad news. Something's happened. Don't ever take anything they say or do personal. I just want to be a duck. That's always our comment around here. Be a duck. Be a duck. Let it just roll off of you. Um, they can look for the root issue in a parent's life. Maybe they were abused as a child. The second I hear that, I think, oh, no wonder they act the way they do. They're afraid to drop them off and not go on a field trip without them or whatever. There's always a root cause in that family's life that has made that mom or dad act or do the things they do. But so many times, one person, they're entering this school. They don't know anything. They're scared, really. So I would say to teachers that do have a lot on them, and sometimes teachers are sad and you're worn out, too, and maybe you need a mental health day or whatever, it helps you personally if you don't. Don't take any of it, any of it personally, and just always say, Lord, you know, I don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe give me a window to it so I can help and see. Sometimes we've been able to send parents to counseling or different things, but um, to every teacher, you can be very successful and engaging parents. If you always take them one-on-one, so one-on-one, and just um, use every little minute that you see them. It's those little minutes that count. Like you said, it's not the big fancy gifts, long letters, long conferences. The more you give them a little nugget every time you see them, you don't have to have any of the rest of it really ever. Right. And all, but everybody can do it. And it really is the teachers because that's the front lines of the school. Parents might never see the administration and don't even care to really, but they love that teacher and they want their teacher to know their child and to know them. So you've thrown out a number of great ideas, nuggets, as we talked about, but how far beyond the common expectations should we be willing to go in order to gain and to keep our customers? Where, where's the balance on that? Sometimes, because we have talked about the easier things, speaking to them every time you see them, always having a smile on your face, greeting them and calling them by name, letting them know you know the individual things about their child. But it can get very hard to engage certain families, honestly, that can be mean and ugly. Everybody's got those too. Everybody. If you even think right now, the teachers that are listening, you can put a name to them. That's how mean and ugly some of them get. Um, A lot of times then when we're talking in meeting, um, 
one of the best examples I saw of that was our headmaster had a lady going crazy, and he just dropped his voice. It was so calm and kind, and he said he just kept hearing that verse of scripture, kind, you know, voice turns away wrath. Or um, anyway, you, we have to deal with some mean and uglies. We really, 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 really do. Again, I always let them speak first. I let them tell and talk, tell their side, because I don't know what the root problem is if I don't listen. And so many, I used to be more be defensive, defensive. Well, they don't know what we, you know, defensive. But now I come in, I just listen to them. That way they put all their feelings, emotions, cards are all out on the table. And if you listen in that, you can find what really the root cause is. And a lot of times it's they just want to be heard or they don't think their child got a fair whenever. And I always ask teachers to please just listen, just listen, and even sometimes repeat, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I'll always say, and I encourage them to, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Okay, because we could be wrong or right in it. We don't even know yet, right? But I'm so sorry, so sorry you feel that way because that would never be our goal. But um, let's just talk through. And sometimes we do have to apologize because we are not perfect, right? And I have to say, oh, my goodness, I promised I would call you. And two days went by or whatever, or I promised I would look into something. So a lot of times, as soon as we truly apologize, oh, they're walls. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I've done things too, and whatever. And it, it comes down. Right. It took me years to not be defensive and always wanting to be right because we're the school. Yeah, no, you work so hard. Well, it do in those hard cases. Um, you just about die too. Sometimes when you see them come, and you're like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" But again, smile. You don't even know what they're going to say yet. Smile. And um, really assure them that you want to know what the issue is. And sometimes we do have to apologize. And sometimes we have to change things. We've had rules in the handbook we've had to change. And I'm not talking about changing who you are. I'm just talking about changing how. Sometimes that thing that says it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right. And a lot of times it's not what we do as a school or practices, but it's how we come across doing it or... Anyway, sometimes the best thing you can do is just absolutely apologize. And sometimes just saying, hey, we're going to have a clean slate tomorrow. That's what they want, right? Makes you real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we are going to mess up. And all you can do is apologize at that point and make it different. And usually it so shocks the parent that. Right, because that's not what they expect. Yeah, nah, not at all. But there will be hard cases, and I can't say that you can win every one of them over. But it should be us again as the Christians and us again as the school, always taking the higher road and also going above and beyond. It's like, well, that mom never speaks to me. Well, how many times do we speak to her? You know. Um, it's that mom we would never let sub that wants to help do something that we let her take something home and help, right? Or do some, it, it's, it's engaging them and it doesn't look the same for everybody. Right. At all. And you have some parents you would never allow in a classroom and you do want them still engaged with you. Right. Oh, we'll get some hard cases though. There are hard Absolutely. ones. We've had one here, and it's literally taking me two years, two years 
and she caught me at last night. And um, she even hugged me. She recently brought me a card. And I mean, it was hard last year because she had this, I want to be the perfect parent. And I know they don't think I am. Yeah. That finally came out literally in about a 10th meeting or so we had. It's like, nobody's a perfect parent. And we're not perfect teachers. We don't expect that. Right. We're all both sides are going to mess up. And we just got to love each other and not, you know, but that does get hard. And again, it all goes back sometimes to things they've experienced in their own childhood. Right. Right. In their own jobs and things like that. And again, not being defensive. Yeah. There's a reason for it. And I just got to see what that, I got to find out what that reason is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? It so is. it's. It's easy to listen to podcasts and go on our way, and hopefully, I mean, we've probably all been guilty of that, but as we wrap up this episode, I wonder if you could give our listeners something not only as a wrap-up of maybe key takeaways for this topic, but I wonder if you might have something that they could really ponder or consider as they work with families, even today as they're working with families. Is there some type of self-reflection question or something they can be asking themselves as kind of a checkup? as a result of what we've talked about today on the podcast. As a Christian and listening a lot of times as a pastor when he preaches, I'm reminded that how much the Lord gave for us, right? The Lord gave everything, his entire life, he gave for us. And so then sometimes it makes me really analyze, and and I'm not willing to cut that kid a break I'm not willing to give that mom a second chance and not hold something against her. Um, In the big picture, the Lord gave it all for all of us. Can we not give a little, sometimes for the things they are asking that we can say yes to? I read something the other day and it said, say yes whenever you can, because you're going to have to say no. That's right. And so, as in some teachers are more shy some teachers are maybe not real outgoing people, people, and that looks different. I challenged one teacher who could come across more cold. Um, years ago, I said, you're a fantastic teacher. You are so good. The problem is they don't know it because they're not in your room, and all they ever see is the countenance on your face at pick up and drop off. And I know you're really scared, but it can come across, you know, and she did. She told me, she said, Ms. Dawson, I'm petrified of adults, but I love kids. And I said, well, let's think of something. Let's think of something. Do you know she invited them in her classroom one afternoon after school and had like cookies and desserts for them so they could check out their child's desk, see their good work papers on the board, ask any questions they wanted to. Lasted 30 minutes. But they all got in there and started mingling and talking, and then it wasn't about her. Right. It totally revolutionized her classroom. Sure. Oh, it was wonderful. Some of them were invited in, but the big picture is we need to love people because Jesus did, and that's what he's called us to do. And if we're going to minister to the families, we have open enrollment, and we want to see them get saved and bring them in. They're not going to come want our Jesus if they don't even want to be near us. Right. And I read a quote in a book one time, and it said, you just got to wanna. Was the, it said, you got to wanna, was the name. You have to start doing it somewhere. Um, on a practical, more mean side, there was a quote that said, um, customers make paydays possible. 
Well, true. Which means if we run off families or don't have any, it, we can't have a right a ministry. We can't. We gotta want to. And I would encourage teachers in the big light of it. Look what Jesus did for us. Now, what can we do for others? And begin to meet those needs. You can say harder things later if you can be kinder in order to begin to build that relationship with them. It's two way. It's a two way street. And um, I just encourage people to love families. You're in the business of people, just like the Lord was. Right. And um, He can help us be love the unlovely, right? Because there's a lot. <laughs> it's true. There's a lot of them out there. <laughs> yes. Not all are as easy as others. So those are so helpful, so motivating. And as much as we could sit around all day and hope parents are going to come and just ask how they can be engaged it isn't going to happen, and we need to be the ones. If you mentioned so much, it's about the people, and we have to be proactive in doing that. And before we end this episode, I would also love to share a question that was submitted by a listener. It's kind of along these lines as well. I love when listeners submit questions, and this one's really timely with today's topic. So here it is. Hello, my name is April Campbell, and I'm from San Diego, California. My question today involves parents rather than students. I'm curious to know if you have any new effective ways of school-to-parent communication we could be utilizing. Our current system involves emailing, brightly colored newsletters, and text messages according to teacher preferences. Sometimes we're sending important information and it appears to be overlooked. If you have any new methods and forms of communicating you could suggest, that would be fantastic. Or on the other hand, if you just have ways you might suggest making emails, newsletters, etc., more effective in getting parents to see and respond to what we're sending out, I would love any feedback you could provide. Thank you so much for your time and God bless you for creating this amazing podcast. So I'm confident that that question could be submitted by many of our listeners. It's so applicable. Kathy, I'll let you jump in. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I appreciate April with that question because I don't care what we all do. We can all be better at it. And I'm always looking, you know what I'm saying, for ideas because parents respond differently. But April, I would say um, the days of parents reading newsletters are over. <laughs> I agree. They won't read. They don't read anything that you send home. And so we have learned that the shorter, the better. And it's almost like if you just send out, we love Class Dojo here. We use it for behavior, but we also use it because it's like an instant messenger gram. And if you send out one sentence, it's like they read it or two sentences. Long newsletters, they won't go past the first bullet point. Um, but also as in creative ways, whether we learned this during the pandemic, but anything you can video their child saying or doing really, really, really helps. And so even if you were to video and the kids are making your announcements instead of a written out long newsletter, we don't do those anymore. We just have little blurbs that we, that's all they're going to get. It's little blurbs. Um, but if the child makes it, there's something about them loving to see their child act like the news broadcaster for the week or whatever, and they can send out your announcements and they'll even pass them on to their friends because their child is the one that's doing that. 
and um, it's quicker and easier and doesn't take all your time. Also, I read something I learned this year because I'm sitting here wondering too why they weren't reading my things, but a professional company that does emails, they said it's all on your tagline. So if like up in the top subject line, it says your child is about to miss out and it leaves them hanging, they will open it every time (laughs) because they don't want their child to miss out on something. Or um, this is the biggest news for your child. Or it's all on the subject line is what makes them open it. So then even if you just have a a single announcement, they read it. Um, But we really learned here that our children will video themselves saying their verse for the week send it to the parent. Again, it's getting the gospel in the home, but they'll watch it a hundred times. Their child say a Bible memory verse because their child's doing it. Um, But anything short, short blast. Um, S'mores is a really neat free newsletter, but it's bright, bold. Canva, you can make in Canva just a simple announcement. One sentence, practice these flashcards. For your child, you know, do you want your child on the honor roll? And then here's the one flash, practice the eight family or practice this, whatever. They get those. It's the long things. They will not read anymore at all. No, that's <laughs> exactly right. Those are, that's, those are great ideas. So my thoughts went along the same lines to mixing up that message, trying new ways to communicate. And we do. We live in a text-tired society we, we've gotten to where we're just skimming for those high points. And if we can't read it on the go, it often goes unread. So this is probably a great time to mix things up and try reaching families in a new way. And I was thinking maybe even audio announcements. They can be recorded and shared with a QR code where parents can listen on the go. I love your ideas about the video. You We're in a culture full of audio visual. It's how people get their information. You know, when they don't know how to do something, what do they do? <laughs> they go to YouTube. They go online. As a teacher, if you did it a news broadcast versus written, yes, tell your students this is going home to your parents. Show them um, the child wants to play it over and over. Sure, you know, anything you send home, you're right. It's the the audio that does so much more than that. Yeah, written. I was also thinking it'd be a really good idea to have a place where those messages are stored so they can be accessed on demand because. There's nothing worse than a disappearing message or having to dig through emails to find something. But if there's a place where a parent can go when they have a minute (laughs) to catch up on things and be able to find that, that was one other idea I thought of, too. That all came out during COVID when my boys in fifth grade knows they all had their own YouTube channel uh, for their classroom. And so every announcement, everything they did, they could look right back and see it on their own YouTube channel or um, they'll post it on Google Classroom if you're a Google Classroom school. And then the parent only has one place to go. Like right. you said, I know they got a field trip. I can't remember what they're supposed to wear. And it's always in the same place. Yes, simplicity, for sure. Well, Kathy, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing practical ideas and for your strategies and really challenging us to get back in the fight to engage our families. You know, the rewards are certainly worth the effort. So we really appreciate your time today. I appreciate coming. I hope you will have a good rest of the day. Um, and the teachers all work really hard. Just take one person making your goal this next week and engage with them. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. 
Remember to go to teacheredishonpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through His grace working in you. Go do what God has called you to do.